You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 84 in your Bibles. Psalm 84, and while you're turning there, uh, it uh, blessed my heart tonight to see Miss Drew up here playing the organ. Uh, Miss Odell's been uh, filling in there, but Miss Drew, thank you for being back and for playing that organ. Uh, you are such a blessing. And uh, Brother uh, Mike and Brother George on the guitars, I love to hear that. And Miss Cheryl on the piano, thank you so much for playing. And uh, our sound men, Brother Tommy and Brother uh, Nathan now, and Brother Caleb, and then we've got Brother Hunter and Brother Jared uh, working with the radio, and uh, Brother Dan uh, making, uh, th- Brother Dan, he is pretty incredible, you have to admit it, and uh, all of this, uh, the technology and all the giving and all the ways to give, and I do want to thank our staff for all the work with the radio and the video and all of the different tools that we have uh, to keep the church going. By the way, the church is not closed down. And uh, lest you think, oh, I'm sure pastor and the staff, they're probably over there uh, just sitting around uh, twiddling their thumbs. I'll promise you, we are not doing that. As a matter of fact, we're looking forward to things getting back to normal. I think our lives might slow down a little bit, but we're having a good time. And it is wonderful that we get to serve the Lord and we get to uh, perform uh, ministry and be a part of the work of God. Psalm 84 in your Bibles, verse number one, the uh, psalmist writes, and says, how amiable, how lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed for a day in thy courts. One day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Our Father, I pray that you'd speak to us tonight. May we not miss these truths. I pray that you would help us to be attentive. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, uh, Lord, that uh, as we look at the scripture tonight, I pray that our hearts would burn within us as we think about the applications and we think about the truths found in this psalm tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to notice in Psalm 84, we're going to start at the beginning, but we're not going to start with verse 1. 
I actually want you to go a little bit higher than verse 1, and I want you to see the inscription. This psalm was designated, this psalm was written to or written for a particular group of people. It says to the chief musician, this was to the song leader, probably Asaph at the time, but it says to the chief musician upon Giddith. Now that word Giddith is a word we do not use today. As a matter of fact, a lot of Bible scholars are not even exactly sure what it means exactly. Uh, many believe it was a musical instrument and it was taken from a word that literally means the wine press. The wine press was a symbol of joy. It was a symbol of rejoicing. It was a symbol of victory. And this psalm, no doubt, is a psalm of great joy and a psalm of great victory for God's people. And I want to tell you, don't ever lose your song. Don't ever lose your victory. Don't ever lose your joy. Don't ever uh, get so bogged down with all that's going on that you, uh, that you don't stop and sing and praise God and, and sing victory in Jesus and, and, and sing about the fact that we are on the winning side. This was a psalm to the chief musician upon Giddeth. But then notice next, it says it is a psalm for the sons of Korah. Now, it's interesting, there are 11 psalms out of the 150. 11 of the psalms were written to and for the sons of Korah. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that that name Korah is not a positive connotation. Because in the book of Numbers, if you'd like to turn there, Numbers 26 is where I'll have you go. Numbers 16, we first find the account and the story that Korah and his company, they rose up against God. They rose up against Moses and Aaron and the sons of Levi, the priests that God had chosen to fulfill the work. And they rose up against God. And in Numbers 26, in verse number 9, it says, This is, and the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. This is that Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation, who strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against the Lord. You say, oh yeah, they were against Moses and Aaron. Oh no, they were fighting against God. And that is what Korah was known for, and that's what this group of people was known for. And it says in verse 10, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. Literally, the ground burst asunder, and literally, the earth swallowed them up. I believe took them straight to hell. We read about in the Bible where in several cases, people were taken straight to heaven. Well, these folks were taken straight to hell, I believe. And the Bible tells us that when that company died, what time the fire came and devoured 250 men, and they became a sign. I'll bet you they did become a sign. I'll bet you people did take notice. I'll bet you people did pay attention and say, that's not what we want to do. That was what Korah was known for, leading a rebellion against God. But notice verse 11. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Isn't that amazing? Korah's children were not consumed when the earth swallowed him up. Uh, maybe they were 
too young to know any better or maybe they were older and maybe they had uh, said to their dad, dad, this is not the right thing and this is not what we ought to do. I don't know what it was, but God spared them. And then we see throughout the genealogies that there was a prophet that came from the descendants of Korah. His name was Samuel. He became a great deliverer, a great prophet in Israel and God used him. We also read about three men, Heman, and Asaph and Ethan, all men that were used in the worship of God and who assisted David in the, uh, the music and in the tabernacle and who helped in the service of God. First Chronicles, the Bible tells us that the Korahites were keepers of the gate of the tabernacle. Notice with me in Psalm 84 and verse number 10, maybe that's why David wrote, and he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Maybe that was a, an encouragement to these guys and say, hey, your position may not be big in the world's eyes and your position may not be notable uh, to the people of the world, but you have a better position than anybody else because you get to serve God and you get to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Can I tell you this about the sons of Korah? They had a pretty rough background. They had a pretty bad family name from Korah who rose up against God and Moses and Aaron. But I want to remind you tonight by way of introduction, you may have an awful background. And you may have a troubled past. And you may have a really rough family line and genealogy. But I got news for you tonight. God can still use you. And God is still a God of great grace and great mercy. Here's a lesson from the sons of Korah. You can learn from the mistakes of your parents. You can learn from the mistakes of your grandparents. You can learn from the mistakes of your siblings. You can learn from the mistakes of others. And just because somebody you know and love went down that road, that doesn't mean you have to go down that road. Aren't you glad for these lessons that we can learn and from the sons of Korah, the descendants of Korah, here they are now in the temple faithfully serving God and 11 of the Psalms were written to and for these particular people. What a reminder for us to be humble. What a reminder for us to be faithful. What a reminder for us to serve God with the life that he has given us. This psalm, a psalm of upon Giddeth, it was a psalm of joy and rejoicing and victory, and it was written to some men who saw the mercy and grace of God at work in their life and in their family. I'd like for you to notice very quickly, and I won't be long, I know what time it is, and I'm so encouraged by the missionary presentation. I'm so encouraged by the singing of Brother Brady and his wife and his children. And I won't keep you long tonight, but I want to show you a few thoughts from Psalm 84. Uh, if you're there, uh, if you're there, so would you say amen on the computer or say amen in the living room and just uh, let me know. I'll, I'll know later, but let me know. You listen. Number one, I see in this psalm, I see a love for the house of God. Verse one. David writes, the psalmist writes, and he says, how amiable are thy tabernacles. He's, he said, God, how lovely, uh, uh, how wonderful, uh, how much I love the house of God. You say, well, how lovely was the tabernacle? David said, I can't describe it. 
He said, I just have to make the statement that how amiable, how wonderful, how lovely is the tabernacle. I want to say this about the tabernacle. David said, it's not my tabernacle. It's not your tabernacle. It's God's tabernacle. And friend, the Victory Baptist Church does not belong to a pastor, does not belong to a people, but this church belongs to God. Jesus said that upon this rock, speaking of himself, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm glad we're a part of an organization that Jesus Christ started. It belongs to him. He promised that it would have perpetuity, meaning that nothing would ever be able to stand up in opposition to the church of Jesus Christ. I love the church. I hope you love the church. Verse 10, David says, I'd rather spend one day in your tabernacle than a thousand days anywhere else. Boy, that's a big statement. It's a powerful statement. You have places you love to go. I have places I love to go. But I hope that we could say with all sincerity and all honesty, I'd rather be in church than anywhere else. I'd rather be in church. I'd rather be worshiping God. I'd rather be serving God. I'd rather be in God's house than anywhere else in the world. This would be a good time for us to get that settled. This would be a good time for us to make that commitment so when the doors are open, we don't miss a service. You say, Pastor, when the doors open, I'll be there. If you're not watching the services, if you're not listening to the services now, I doubt you'll be here when the doors are open. Let's get all we can of the Word of God. Let's get all we can of worshiping God. Let's do it while we can. Let's get to drive-in church. Uh, let's tune into the Sunday school. Let's tune into the uh, teens on target. Let's tune into the service and the devotionals and the Bible studies. And let's get all we can of church. We don't need less church. We don't need to back off on church. We need church more now than we have ever needed it before. I'll address this on Wednesday night. But can I tell you the last thing that should have been closed down in a pandemic is the church. Can I tell you the first thing that should have been opening up is a church because the church is the most important institution on planet earth because it's the only one that Jesus Christ started. It's the only one that Jesus gave his life for. Ephesians 5, Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. I hope you love the church. David said, I love the house of God. How lovely, how wonderful, how beautiful, how majestic is the tabernacle of the Lord. Number one, a love. Number two, I see a longing. He says in verse number two, my soul longeth. Yea, it even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. I am not a good uh, person to use this example on because I've had the privilege to be in this church. I think I've been in this church every day uh, since the uh, pandemic started. Even my, my day off is Tuesday, but just about every Tuesday I'm here at least for a little bit. I've not had to be outside the church and even in the drive-in, I've been able to be in the church and all that. But I hope you miss it. I, I'm not trying to magnify the fact that it's, it's hard, hard on you, but I am trying to magnify the fact that if you don't miss church, there's something wrong. 
if you don't miss being in these pews and sitting with God's people and singing the songs and, and hearing the preaching and responding to an invitation, and if you don't miss the fellowship and you don't miss the prayer meeting and you don't miss the Sunday school, I want to tell you, friend, I'm not saying you're not saved. You can still be saved and not love church, but I'm saying this, you can't be right with God and not have a love and a longing for the house of God. Notice that verse number two, it wasn't just the building. It wasn't just the location, but it says in verse number two, David said, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Can I tell you why I love church so much? I love church because of whose house it is. I love church because of who we worship, and I love church because of the one who gave his life for the church. There's a longing. Don't you long for the church? Don't you long for the services? Don't you desire to be in the house of God? Don't you miss it? If absence makes the heart grow fonder, how much more we ought to be loving the church more now in these days than ever before. There ought to be a renewed desire in our hearts for preaching. There ought to be a renewed desire in our hearts for singing and worship. And prayer, and there ought to be a renewed desire in our hearts for service. I tell you, to our Sunday school teachers and our junior church workers and our uh, uh, master club and bus routes and choir members, uh, please, 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 don't, don't get too comfortable during this time. Don't get too used to having a day on Sunday where you just kick back and relax. I, I think you need the rest, and I'm, I'm happy you're able to get some. But friend, we need to get back into church and we need to serve God like never before. Jesus is coming so soon and his return is imminent. It could happen at any moment and we must have a longing for the house of God. Number three, notice in verse three, David said, my desire is to live in the house of God. You say, well, where do you see that? Notice verse three, David says, yea, the sparrow hath found an house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. David said, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little envious because the birds can make their nest in the tabernacle. The birds can make their nest in the house of God. The birds can make their nest and have their young right there so close to the altar. And David says, I wish I could live there. I wish I could be in the presence of God. I wish I could fellowship with him. I wish I could be there 24-7. David wanted to live close. David wanted to live in the house of God. David wanted his children to live in the house of God. Friend, I want to tell you, you and I need church but I'll tell you who else needs church. It's our children. It's our sons and our daughters. It's our little ones. It's the grandchildren. It's the young people that need to see and need to know the importance of being in the house of God. I'm not talking about once a year. I'm not talking about once a month. I'm talking about being in the house of God. David imagined being able to live in the house of God and always being close to God. Friend, I got news for you. You can't live in the church. You, you can't. You can't actually live here. When, when we open up, don't bring your sleeping bag and pillow and bring your suitcase and say, I'm just camping out here 24-7. You can't. 
but you can be here every time the doors are open. And you can be in your spot. And you can be faithful. And you can be like clockwork. And you can get to where your neighbors, they don't have to wonder because they just know Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, they know that you're going to church and your family doesn't have to ask, are we going to church today? The answer is, yes, we're going to church. Yes, we're going to the house of God because we want to live. We want to abide in the house of God. Number four, I see it, verse five through verse 12. I see there needs to be some learning from the house of God. There must be some learning. There must be some lessons that we receive in the house of God. I'll tell you this. I was talking to our, our staff this last week, and this was, to me, this was funny. People are trying to figure out online how many people are actually watching the services. And some people watch a service for 30 seconds, and some people watch for two minutes, and some people watch from 10 minutes before till 10 minutes. I mean, some, everybody's different. But they were saying, how can you really gauge how many people are watching the services? And then one, one, uh, one pastor said, well, he said, let's say you have an auditorium with 300 people. How do you know that all 300 of those people are paying attention? How do you know that all 300 of those people aren't daydreaming? And the answer to that is you don't. You kind of like it when they're here and you hope they'll listen and you'll hope they'll pay attention and you think they are until you start hearing the snoring, you know, then that's kind of a dead giveaway. But, but how can we learn from the house of God? I'll say this, don't wait till we get back on these pews to start learning. I hope you'll learn from every message and every Sunday school lesson and every devotional. I hope that we will apply ourselves to the word of God and study the word of God and, and, and do all that we can to soak up the Bible and live in the word of God. How do we learn from the house of God? Notice verse five, we must learn that our strength is in God. Verse five, blessed is the man whose strength is in God. That's a lesson you'll learn in the church house. That's a lesson you'll learn from the preaching that our strength is not in man. Our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength is in God. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse number six, here's a lesson you can learn from the church house. It says, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Here's a lesson you learn that sometimes we pass through valleys. This word baka here, it literally means the place of weeping. And David said one thing is that we'll pass through some valleys and there will be weeping. What do you do when you go through the valley? What do you go, do when you go through tears? I'll tell you what you do. You make it a well. You don't have a pity party. You don't throw in the towel. You don't give up. You don't get mad. You don't get bitter, but you make it a well. You say, well, what good is a well? Well, a well is a place where you can go back later and you can draw strength and you can draw provision and you can draw encouragement and you go through tears and you go through trials and you go through those things and you realize that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You realize that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You realize that you go through a valley, but you don't stay in the valley. You pass through, you keep on, you put one foot in front of the other, you don't stay there and you certainly don't set up camp. You keep on going. You learn that tears 
can be a well for you to draw from in the future. Verse 8, you learn to pray. Oh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear. I'll tell you what we learn in the house of God. We learn that God answers prayer. I'm so thankful for the times we stand up and say, hey, we had another prayer answered this week. Hey, God did this and God did that. And the house of God teaches us that God answers prayer. Verse 9, we learn that God is our shield. He is our protection. You're going through some battles this week and you've got some darts coming your way and you've got some air hosts flying at you. I want to tell you, you're not fast enough to dodge them. You're not smart enough to avoid them. You've got to get the shield of faith and you've got to put it up and let God be your shield. Verse number 11, let God be your son. It says in verse 11, for the Lord God is a son and shield. A son, the son gives warmth. The son gives life. Can I tell you what gives life and gives warmth and gives meaning and purpose to you and me? Oh, it is knowing that God is real. It's knowing that he loves you. It's knowing that he cares for you. It's knowing that he lives inside of you. Verse number 11, the Lord God will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I'll tell you a lesson we learned from the house of God is that everything good in our life is all because of Him. And everything good in our lives is all because of the mercy and the grace of God. When we get in the house of God, we learn to thank Him, and we learn to praise Him, and we learn to bless Him, and we learn to give Him the glory for all that He's done. And lastly, verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. I'll tell you what we learn the lesson that we learn in the house of God, we learn that we can trust Him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And friend, I want to tell you, I hope you love the house of God. I hope you long for it. I hope you'll live, literally just plant yourself in the house of God and determine with God's help, you are going to be faithful till Jesus comes. And I hope we'll learn from the house of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.